Are you a HubSpot user looking to stay up to date with HubSpot inbound and all the information that will make your job easier and help you and your company grow better? Each week, the spot brings you the HubSpot education, ideas, and tools that you need to maximize your success, make work just a little bit easier, and of course, brighten your day along the way. Listen in as Julie, Doug, Max, and George share their authentic, entertaining, and valuable conversations with the people who really matter. That's right, you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for your HubSpot journey heroes. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spot. So we're ready, we're spot and we're grow. That's right, we're gonna grow together. And I am so excited because, well, I've been waiting for this day for a long, long time where I can get some really smart people together, smarter than me, that's for sure. And we can create value, we can create a show, we can create a podcast episode for you to listen to and watch, but we'll talk about that later. And this is episode one. And uh, we're gonna take a couple minutes just so everybody can kind of get to know what the heck is happening uh, because this is not your normal podcast. This is not your grandpappy's podcast. Uh, we're not really gonna be doing an interview. It's not really gonna be a solo person. Believe it or not, you're not able to see us right now, but there's four of us sitting here and we are ready to put the smack down. So why don't we be gentlemen about it and start with ladies first like it should be in the world, people, I'm just saying. And Julie, why don't you explain real quick to the listeners who you are, what you do, where you do it, and maybe something that nobody knows about you so the community can kind of be enticed a little bit. Well, first and foremost, I feel like with that introduction, I should be making some kind of awful bro joke, but I'm going to save that one for myself for this, our first episode, and let those true colors deep in my soul come out later. Um, so I'll shield everyone from that for now. But I'm Julie Durante. I'm the director of Inbound at Impulse Creative. I've been a HubSpot user since 2011. And my reason for being in the inbound world is to really help people be successful and help them grow, whether that's team members or other organizations or Impulse Creative itself. Uh, I just like to see things getting built and I like to be part of that story. Something, well, I don't know if it's something that no one knows about me, but something you might not know about me from my day-to-day -day professional life is that I'm a horrible gym rat, which feels weird to say amidst COVID and gym closures, all of those things still happening. But if I'm not working, I'm probably working out. Yes. So horrible gym rat means addicted to the gym addicted like but gym rat in that i'm not like one of those people who goes to the gym and like has it together gotcha i'm just like i don't know let's just do it let's put some weights on a bar let's pick up some heavy stuff i'm gonna be here for a while so it's kind of like the average joe's as opposed to globo gym i like the average shows man yeah i'm with you i'm yeah, down i'm here for it Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'll tell you folks, listeners, viewers, the reason that Julie is here is because she is smart as a whip. And I love the fact that she cares, cares, cares. It is about value to our team at Impulse Creative. It's about value to the clients. And now it's about value to you, the listener. Doug Davidoff, my man, there's a little bit of a bromance going on. I'm just going to throw that out here right on episode one. Why don't you explain to the viewers and the listeners who you are, what you do, where you do it. And man, I, I almost don't want to ask you this, but something that maybe people don't know about you. I'm going to rank this second in, in experiences to when we were at Inbound last year, walking over the bridge to dinner, and um, I was right behind you, and people were walking down going, that, that, that's, that's GBT, that's the video guy, that's GBT, that's GBT. And I was like, you know, I got to 
sit in your aura. So that felt good and good to be here. Anyways, I'm the, uh, I'm the founder and CEO at Imagine Business Development. How did I come here? It is a total, complete accident. Um, I have no idea how I ended up being where we are and what we do. Started off in sales. I actually started off as a, uh, started my own DJ company in college. That was the, it was when I first learned that I was somewhat unemployable. I, I think that's why I owned the business. Worked for Merrill Lynch, got fed up with what they were doing. Uh, you probably read about them in the news. You may know of them as Bank of America now. Left there, started um, a sales consultancy actually. And then we came to marketing because we started seeing what was happening at the, uh, what we were trying to fix at the bottom of the funnel was, you know, we, we diagnosed it was being caused at the top and the middle. So we started addressing marketing. We started doing full funnel. Today, we're more and more focused around revenue operations and um, always been a believer in, in the system drives the behavior. Um, huge, huge fan of IBM. I think IBM, historically, IBM had the greatest sales team in the history of the world in their heyday. Relative to anybody else, they were the greatest sales team. Um, and they did that not by hiring superior salespeople, but by hiring salespeople and placing them into, in a superior system. And they spent, uh, they probably had about three or four decades where they just destroyed their competition that in many cases had better products, better services, and better salespeople, but, but they focused on, on systems and driving behaviors, et cetera. Uh, what do people not know about me? I'll give two things because I've, I've been asked this question over the last few years. So I'm not sure who's listened to what. So the number one thing is I actually coached college baseball for four years. Um, that was a lot of fun. I'm sure that'll come up. Uh, there's my fungo bat. Uh, oh, we're not on video. I don't, if we're on video, there's my fungo bat. If we're not on video, there's a fungo bat behind me. And my proudest accomplishment, and I'm kind of depressed, the biggest negative impact of COVID is there was a rumor that Springsteen was going to be touring again this year. And that would have been probably 47 to 48, 49 to see him. I've seen Bruce Springsteen live 46 times, which wow. if you're Bruce Springsteen, Acolyte, that's nothing, but uh, it's it's probably more than your average Joe. That's my yeah. whole heart, my whole heart. <laughs> uh oh, they love each other. First episode, my man, Jer uh, Jersey girl over here. I mean, hey. I, I yeah. saw him once fifth row, fifth row center. That was pretty sweet. Nice. That's great. The best I've done is floor seats. John John Cougar Mellencamp and Bob Seger spit on me one time when I was front row. That was pretty cool too. Look at oh, you go. Claim to fame. My grades in college fame. were not great, by the way, just for the record. That's I hilarious. saw a lot of concerts. I saw a lot of live bands. Now, here's the thing, viewers, listeners, a couple of things. One, if you're like, well, I do want the video version because those people are crazy and hilarious, then make sure you head over to sprockettalk.com forward slash the spot. One word, the videos are going to be over there, even though you're listening to the podcast right now. The reason that Doug is here, again, super, super smart. But what I love about Doug is that he will call a turd a turd. And he will let you know exactly what he feels about topics. And we're going to cover that. What, no matter if it's inbound, if it's HubSpot, if it's sales, if it's marketing, it's service, we're going to cover those things. And by the way, did you notice that Doug immediately was talking about sales? That's because he is our sales pro on the show. Now, marketing is Julie. Doug is sales. There might be something that you guys are feeling here that's different about this show. That's right. We're covering all the bases. We're eradicating all the silos. That is one of our major goals on this podcast so that teams can work together. You heard revenue operations, but I digress. Max, Max hey. Cohen, why don't you explain to the viewers, listeners, who you are, what you do, um, hmm, where you do it, 
Where you and, uh, and something we don't know about you, my friend. Cool. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. My name is Max. Um, I am a facilitator on HubSpot's learning and development team. So, in a nutshell, um, I get to work with our wonderful learning and development team at HubSpot to help build uh, all of the internal training experiences that we have for new hires and all the continuing education stuff that we do uh, for HubSpot employees. I, I truly believe I have the funnest job in the entire world. I get to talk about inbound and HubSpot and marketing and sales and service all day. So it's, it's great. Um, I started at HubSpot in around 2015. I did about four years at Apple Business doing B2B sales before then. Got out of that. I had learned about inbound marketing in college. I had a, I had a class in my, my, my very first master's class, or uh, very first class I had for my uh, master's. We had our, uh, the, the marketing professor I'd had for four years basically came on at the beginning of class and said, I want you to just forget everything I taught you the past four years because this inbound thing is here now and it's going to completely change everything. And I was like, great. Like I spent a lot of money on that education. <laughs> you told me that it's all worthless now. So we actually had to get inbound marketing certified. And that's where I'd originally learned about HubSpot and inbound. Four years later after that, left Apple. I joined HubSpot as an implementation specialist. So my role there was basically to get customers up and running within the first 90 days of their subscription and go all Gordon Ramsay kitchen nightmares on their marketing strategy as best I can to get them on the, on the inbound train. Uh, and then I joined the L&D team in 2018. Haven't looked back. It's been awesome. Something that you may not know about me, I have played competitive paintball my entire life. So I started playing in tournaments when I was around like 15 um, in kind of my later years doing that. I've been coaching a lot of competitive teams recently, travel around the country, go to a bunch of different paintball tournaments. Uh, since that's all slowed down with COVID, I've been throwing my hat in the Facebook gaming streaming realm, which has been a very interesting experience. So uh, it's just kind of an ongoing experiment I've been having fun with and playing around with. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm at now. I just Super happy to be here. I just want to know if Max is a fan of the community paintball episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Okay, community is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. They do a and, very and, good job. Yeah. And the paintball episodes are especially. Yeah. Close they're to hysterical. Oh yeah, for sure. A little yeah, bit not, off the wall, but. Very off the wall, super unrealistic, but it tugs <laughs> at my heartstrings. It's uh, super funny. Yeah. Love community. I love it. I love it. So folks, you hopefully, maybe, I don't know, know me, George B. Thomas, Impulse Creative, aka Sprocket Talk as well. Uh, and I'm here because, well, comic relief, right? We've got Max. He's super smart. He's our HubSpot insider. He's going to be uh, doing a lot of stuff around the service side of this. I actually used to be a design dev nerd where it was like a six pack and a pizza and a website came out the other end. So I'm going to cover that side of things, but we're just going to have a ton of fun. And folks, the future, it's all about value. It's all about helping you guys grow and again i am excited to have these folks with me on this journey and as you can tell we're all a little unique we all have our little quirks and it's gonna be a lot of fun so here's the thing i want to know one thing julie doug max that excites you guys uh why you think uh the viewers and listeners should be excited for the next several episodes coming up well, I, I, I'll go first because I'm usually the shy one here. You know, uh, George, when you came up with the idea, I loved it. Um, I, you know, kudos to, to GBT, by the way. Who's this George person? GBT, come on. I, I, I think the biggest issue facing business today is, is um, we become over-specialized um, and we see things through, through um, you know, we, we build echo chambers basically and, and, and we have blinders on, et cetera. And so just the whole idea of, of having 
uh, you know, a service focus, a dev focus, a marketing focus, a sales focus to show that, yeah, we can all get along. Um, and also I can't wait for the, um, the different personalities, styles, expertise is going to be entertaining. Uh, but most importantly, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not going to be instructional in the, in the traditional how-to podcast form, but I think it's going to be amazingly instructional in terms of where you really find yourself um, in the middle of the day where something happened and it's always a little bit different than what happened before. And I think the nature of this conversation, you're going to be able to, you, you'll get that deja vu and, and you know, the you'll, you'll be able to break down your situation and, and apply the knowledge rather than just, you know, step one, step two, step three. So I, I'm excited. I, I got my notes ready to go. I think for me, it's, it's, it's kind of two reasons. Um, one, during my time at HubSpot, I never held any sort of role as a, uh, I mean, even up until now, I'm still, I still wear HubSpot. Um, I never held any sort of role that was working directly with partners, right? I had kind of a, you know, a little bit of interaction with partners when I was uh, an implementation specialist, but those were more like non-reselling partners that hadn't got into the partner program yet. Um, so I'm super pumped to be on this podcast with the likes of all of you and really, you know, learning from folks that are deep, deep, deep in the partner world and partner community because, you know, I've never had a, a huge connection to it. And I feel like that's something that's been really missing from my whole experience with inbound and HubSpot. So selfishly, that's one of the big reasons I'm, I'm excited. Um, I think the other one though, is just kind of in line with the reason that I, I just love going into work every single day or sitting down in front of my computer for work every single day is that like, HubSpot is so much more than just a piece of software. Like it's, it's the tool that enables you to do this whole inbound thing. And when I think of, you know, companies doing inbound, I don't think of like the individual business, like hitting some sort of goals. Like I think about that marketer who's, who's taking the leap and being that first person to say, Hey, let's, let's stop mailing people stuff in, in the physical paper mail. And let's, let's start writing blog posts. Let's try this inbound thing. Let's create content. And like, you know, I think about that person trying to prove themselves, right? Or that salesperson just trying to, you know, hit their quota if they're like a junior sales rep for the first time and being more efficient or like that small business owner supporting their family and like realizing their dream and building something really cool. Like that's the end product of what really good work with HubSpot is. Um, so I'm hoping that this will be a great way for all of us to kind of give back to the community and like help those people. I'm super pumped. Hey, speaking for the senior salespeople, we got challenges hitting quota too. So yeah. I know. <laughs> Max, I love that. And I think we're very much of the same school of thought there. I think there's so much value in not just HubSpot as a platform or software, but the unifying methodology around using it well. A client asked me about this last night. Um, she kind of discovered HubSpot for the last few months and said, oh, wow, I need to change my whole business. And I said, we can get you there. Don't worry. Right. So that's what excites me as well. And also this idea that I've been a HubSpot user for a long time. I started as a HubSpot user when the methodology was the OG pillar page. Mm. It was just, I hope someone has an archive somewhere at HubSpot. I would love to revisit it. It was just a website page that just scrolled and it was just content about how to do inbound marketing. And it was only inbound marketing then. And over the years, I've gone from small marketing teams to a digital marketing team of one to an agency partner having a lot of different roles within the partner space to now the leader of an agency team. And I've seen a lot of people execute things really well in HubSpot and seen some really cool things evolve in the tool. 
and campaigns and ways of doing things I never would have thought of. And I've also seen a lot of mistakes made and best practices mm. not followed and a lot of why isn't this working and why can't I do what I'm trying to accomplish here? So if we can come together and help people navigate that, especially now that the product and the methodology have both evolved so far beyond what it was back in 2011, 2012, and even before, that's a huge success, I think, for all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Love all of it. Here's the thing. I'm going to I'm gonna just be completely uh, honest and transparent because I really don't know any other way to be. For me, this really, I'm excited about being able to add value. I mean, a massive dose of value to the HubSpot and inbound community uh, with the folks that you're listening to or seeing on the screen. Now, selfishly, um, because I was I was very methodical on who I was kind of picking and choosing to show up for this thing that we're about to do. And listen, listeners, uh, growth comes out of discomfort. And so this podcast for me is, uh, I don't know another person or set of people in the inbound HubSpot space that have four hosts, right? That's one. Mm. But also... So we're doing something different. There's a little bit of discomfort in doing something different. Uh, but also, I will tell you this. When I look across at Julie, I've had her say to me, well, you could have been doing that months ago. When I look across at Doug, I, I hear, uh, I don't think you're right. You're looking at it wrong. And I look across at Max, and when I first met Max, it was on YouTube, and I was like, Bro, what do you mean? That's, I never taught it that way, <laughs> right? So the three people who have been chosen to sit alongside together in this melting pot of inbound and HubSpot have at some point in time made me uncomfortable, which means they have made me grow. And therefore I knew it would be the best set of people that would help you, the listener, you, the viewer grow to what you need to become episode over episode over episodes. That's what I'm excited about. You know what else I'm excited about, team? I'm excited about, ah, that hit the spot. Mm. That's, that's right. This is the section where we talk about articles that you as sales, marketing, and service professionals and web devs should be paying attention to. So, Doug, this week you brought to a, a, a sales article. Tell us the article and a little bit about it. Why should be, people be checking this out? So, uh, the article comes from uh, Gong's Gong Labs. So, if you go to gong.io, go to their blog, click on Gong Labs. My, my suggestion is reading anything that comes from them especially from Gong Labs, it's, it's not always right. Like I don't always agree with it and I don't even think it's always right, but it's always insightful and it's always data back. So what they're doing is they're digging deep into their archive of recordings and metadata, et cetera, and, and, and pulling things out. And the article is three truths that will change how you sell. And, and just to kind of give, the, give a little bit of the secret away. Number one is you need, um, you need to win influence where they talk about multi-threading and they talk about the importance of involving multiple people. What they found was deals that had three or more people were far more likely to progress than deals that didn't have three or more people. It's something that I've taught for years. Um, and and you know, it's kind of funny for, for years that was commonly applied and it's become less so. Um, as, as we've optimized everything, you know, the number of times I see salespeople coming in talking to one person. Um, so that, that's a big component to it. Um, I love the fact that they talk about the importance of email because everyone's running around there saying email's dead. And, and my favorite, maybe we'll get into this later about sales emails are dead. Actually, my favorite piece of all is truth number two, sales teams sell more. 
and that is sales teams. That is when multiple people from the seller are involved, you're far more likely. I see mm. lots of salespeople afraid to bring people in. They feel like it's a sign of weakness. People love it. It works extraordinarily well. And then the third email truth is that winning deals have higher email velocity and, and which you know, kind of reinforces that, that, that importance of email. So it, it's, it's a nice, fresh look. It came out at the beginning of this year. Um, you know, but it's a nice fresh look on, on, on three key components that, um, it, you know, in some ways we knew that they were true before we got consumed with data and then the data microscoped us into these things. And, and one of the things that's really cool about what Kong does is, um, is being able to track things through entire cycles. I think it really brought out uh, some, some very important truths that, that I, you know, I, I love it because it applies to salespeople completely, sales executives. Uh, but Julie, I'm sure you'd agree it, it's equally applicable and important for marketing because they're the ones that, that are in the best position to enable. Doug, I think you're right that I'm totally interested to go dive into that a little bit more. Sales and marketing are so often separated, but I really think they're a continuum, right? We talk about all of these different strategies and marketing and methodologies and marketing and um, that handoff to sales and this and that. But I have so many clients where there are sales emails and sequences and things like that that are being written by marketing folks who might not be reading the sales articles because it's a sales article, but really if they're doing that type of work, they need to be involved there and salespeople on the same side, right? There's stuff to learn from both, both standpoints. Um, so I, I love the thought overall. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. They had me at the hero image, <laughs> Doug. Reality check ahead, and I was like, "Oh, that's such." I, I. That's why Doug shared that right there. Reality check ahead. But I loved. I nerded out on section three, which was the email velocity. Like, if you got to go read that portion of it, listeners, it's it's amazing. So, Julie, you brought to us a marketing article that we need to pay attention to. Why don't you explain to the listeners what that is, what it's about? I did. I did. So I recently bit the bullet and subscribed to Medium for my $5 a month, which has really been changing my learn up game. I've been enjoying it quite a lot. Um, and I can't believe I put it off for so long, but I found a great kind of back to basics article this week. Uh, it's called adopting a user centric approach in marketing. It's nothing that's, I think, super new or groundbreaking or earth shattering, but it's a really important message right now. I'm hearing a lot of uneasiness from my clients internally, from peers and colleagues across the board, right? That businesses aren't sure what to do right now. They're rethinking what they're doing, what their strategy is, how can we, what should we, and they're coming from this place of themselves, which is great introspection to be having. It's, it's great real life to be doing, but I'm not hearing enough of what do your customers and prospects need right now. So it's flipping the script a little bit on this easiness, uneasiness rather, and readdressing this. There are a lot of nice little exercises and points within the article. The thing I think is particularly valuable right now is the idea of empathy mapping. And there's an exercise in the article that just kind of going through that and forcing yourself to think like your buyer and stripping it back and remembering the time when you did that and when you needed to do that to figure everything out, I would say holds tremendous value in this tumultuous time we're in. Oh, snap. We got our first Scrabble word, tumultuous. If you can use that in Scrabble, you got to let us know. Hashtag 
the spot podcast hashtag sprocket talk i'm I'm curious max you were shaking your head up and down as julie was talking is there something that you're thinking about when you think about user centric uh in this whole kind of conversation yeah i mean i opened up the article and i looked at the very first piece where it said don't focus on who your audience is but what they want to do um I don't think I've ever read a better definition of how to create value with content than that. You know what I mean? Like if you just focus on who your audience is, I mean, it's kind of difficult to create a piece of content that's going to be relevant and valuable to every single 18 to 35 year old in a certain region that has a certain job. But when you're focusing on what people actually want to do, I mean, that's the crux of why someone Googles something in the first place or why they use the internet in the first place, right? They're trying to get something done. They have some sort of challenge that is getting in the way of them accomplishing a certain goal. And people use search engines and research things online when they're trying to get closer to achieving certain goals or certain challenges. So if your marketing isn't helping them do that, it's not creating any value. And if you don't create any value, you're not building any trust. And inbound's all about building trust. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. it. It makes a whole lot of sense. Like you have to be thinking what the intentions are and the goals and challenges of your audience, not just like who they are in general, because that gives you no ammunition to create any sort of marketing experience that's gonna be genuinely helpful. What I, what I loved about it, I'm a, I'm a Jeff Bezos fan on, on this. I think we spend far, far too much time thinking about what's changed. Um, I was actually gonna ask Julie on the SAT word, uh, when was the last time we weren't in a tumultuous time? I tell my kids that when they're 40, because they're now 19 and 22, I said, this, these will be the good old days. And I, I think it's far better, um, especially if you're, um, if, if, if you're the least bit resource constrained. I think it's far, far better to focus on what hasn't changed than what has changed. I actually think that's the secret sauce of inbound. I, I think the, the promotion of inbound was about how, how things have changed. But, but the reality is the buyer hasn't changed. Um, the buyer hasn't changed at all. The ability for the buyer has, has changed. The access to it, but they've always wanted it, right? And, and so, I mean, what, what is awesome about this article is it really is, you know, it, I'm going to say it really is a back to the basics. And we say that almost as we're, we're apologizing for it. Sorry, no, but it's like, you know what? If you get that right, all, all the other stuff, like that, that takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like in baseball, I told you I was going to, I was, the baseball coach was going to come out. If you get the feet right, the hands fall. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, we spent all this time trying to, you know, fix our hands, if you will, that, that, you know, we forget if you don't get the feet right, it doesn't matter. That's it. That's it. By the way, can I get a hashtag amen to all that was just said about that article? And not only that, uh, just a warning, eh, 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 warning, uh, there will be metaphors and analogies throughout every episode that we ever do. Uh, of the spot podcast just gonna throw that out there so my article this week was seven ways to align your sales and service teams to improve cx and and here's the thing here's the thing we always have talked about historically sales uh and marketing silos right but but there's silos everywhere and again the reason i picked this article for the first episode is because one of the major things that we've mentioned and that will always ring true is we are here to crush all the silos not just one set of them but all of them We want you to start to think about revenue teams, revenue operations. We want you to think in a more holistic manner. Um, And so this article really gives you the 
seven different ways, which you don't need all seven. If you just implement a couple of them, you know, things like uh, map your customer journey or um, make a commitment to get rid of the silos themselves, or even one in here is the uh, technology part of the process. Oh, by the way, is this a HubSpot specific podcast? Maybe. Is that technology? Yeah. Um, could your sales service and marketing team all use the same software? Oh my God, say it's not so. So that's why I picked this article. There's four more reasons why you may uh, want to do this. But when you guys think of, and I'm going to broaden this, when you guys think of silos, it could be marketing and sales. It could be sales and service. Like where does your guys' mind go on this topic? So just because I've experienced it a lot is just like the disconnect between sales and services, I think is a particularly painful one. You know, oftentimes if someone is more so driven by a quota than they are driven by, you know, creating or, or selling with the best intentions of their customers and truly wanting to make sure they're selling something to a customer because they really think it's going to make them successful, not just because they're trying to hit a quota. The folks that don't do that, I think, don't really think a couple steps down the line of what sort of friction that can create for services teams. And when you have a sales team that generates a lot of not so great of a fit customers, and they don't really find that out until, hey, it's time to work with someone to implement the whole thing. That creates a lot of, not necessarily, it's not a silo, but it's a lot of negative energy between like two parts of the organization that can't be happening, right? You wanna make it one singular experience, not like a wonderful experience when you were getting marketed to, an okay experience when you were getting sold to, and then a terrible experience when you're getting serviced because you were sold a, a dream and a prayer versus like, you know, a realistic solution that you needed. Um, you know, that's one of the bare ones that I think I struggle with. I think you know, sales and marketing teams have probably become closer than they were in the past, right? Because, you know, hashtag smarketing and all those things. Uh, I think we all really need to really start adopting hashtag smarvices, right? Service, sales, marketing, and services uh, together because it should just be one long experience, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, hashtag smarvices. We got to get that going. I think, Doug, you might call that something else. Yeah, Doug, Doug, talk us, what, what, what did, what did smarkening uh, or smurvices, what does it want to be when it grows up? T talk to me through that. I, I, let me, I, I want to hear what Julie has to say before I comment. I'm practicing um, listening. It's a new skill I'm working on. Well, if smurvices were to be anthropomorphized, Ooh, I think it scrabble. would look like a really Ooh. buff smurf. Um, so like Julie a is the smartest person on this podcast, dude. by the way. That is settled. <laughs> No, Julie took six years of Latin in school, so we just know all of our root words real well. There you go. Um, so my background from a, um, a formal education standpoint, not in marketing, anthropology, art history, classics, really boring, nerdy research and reading stuff, old dead Dude, things, I, natural career and digital marketing. I just, I just told somebody if they, want to do, if they want to go into marketing or business, they asked me which they major in, I told them anthropology. I love that, absolutely, because hum humans and figure out want, how people I, tick. I, I want to hire four anthropologists, so if you know any of them, send them my way. You should. You absolutely should. I might know one. I might, I might have a guy for you, Doug. <laughs> so I think that, Max, what you're, you're saying about this convergence is right. I think we can give it a better name. Um, and I think it has a name and a place and some thoughts and methodology already, and I'm not going to steal Doug's thunder there. As you were talking, something that came to my mind was my life for many years now has very much been that service and marketing are not different, right? Because I'm a marketing agency service delivery person. So while as an agency, 
we do marketing for ourselves. When I deliver services, I'm often delivering marketing that then goes to a salesperson. So I entered a very existential loop on this one. Um, I'm going to be totally honest. It's I might need a little more time to wrap my head around that thought process. I know many organizations, instances, examples where you can say, well, I got a new customer and the first thing I have to do is tell them the details of the scope of their project and make them hate me. And that's just about the worst feeling in the world. Because when your job is to deliver client success and your goal is to create long-term relationships and happiness, right? Fumbling that sales to service handoff can end the whole thing. Why are people buying? Well, they're buying because they are believing what's happening in the sales process. And then if it gets handed off and that belief is shattered, that's really hard to come back from. So I think mm. it's a key lesson for people to perfect that, to understand it, and to be empathetic on both sides of the equation. So ultimately, the delivery of your service is what you're selling, and it's, it's top-notch. But it's hard to get there. It's painful to get there. I don't think it's just painful to get there. I think it's painful to live there. I don't mm. think the pain ever goes away. So one, one, of the, one of the things that I've been working on um, a good bit, <clears throat> so this, way, this hits um, a little bit close to home, is I actually think alignment is BS. I, I think alignment is is creating more business depression. Here's here's what I mean by it. I think I think alignment is this concept that it, it it's great for strategic planning, but it's a lot like the horizon. We we see the horizon. The horizon is a is a point to aim to, but you can never get to the horizon. You can't even actually get closer to the horizon. You know, if you got into the fastest plane and and went straight to the horizon, the horizon is going to keep going. At, at the same rate. And so it, it, it creates this false sense of pursuing something that I'm actually going to say you shouldn't even be trying to pursue. Um, and, and, and the reason is silos aren't all bad. So as a matter of fact, if we didn't have silos, we would not be able to get work done. Like there, there is specialization. We, we need that. The, the issue is not, the cause isn't silos. This, it's, like, it's like in sales where we used to say, you know, if you want to be a great salesperson, become a closer. Um, I learned that, that closing was like voting in Chicago. You close early, you close often. You vote early, you vote often. And the reason that closing had this disproportionate influence on, on quote unquote, what, what was successful sales is, is the idea that um, closing was the obvious thing. So silos become this obvious thing. The underlying issue is, is, is a structural issue. And, and I actually am going to go out on, on a limb to say that in the environments that we see siloed, that we call siloed, there's less conflict than in environments where we see them not, that we call not silo. Pat Lencioni talked about this in Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He said, one of the first signs of a low trust team is they don't argue about anything. I know that Mike Volpe and Mark Robert argued about stuff. I know they went at it, at, you know, in, in, in the heyday of HubSpot. And they were as aligned a group of people as, as, as you can imagine, because marketing and sales are not the same thing. They're, they're oriented for the same thing. And, and God bless that they're not the same thing because they, they, they fit different things. But also, we don't operate in a static system. We operate in a dynamic ecosystem. We can pull one thing out and work on it, but everything is, A, whatever we change, changes everything. And at the same time, everything is changing, Right, so you know, a butterfly flaps its wings in Indonesia. A customer closes a you know closes a sale on a new printing press in Ohio, and and so life's about managing trade-offs. 
the so like I never liked marketing. I never liked the term because it it created this idea. You know, the people that practiced it, I know, like I I knew what the the real thing was, but it created this idea of alignment is hold hands, sing kumbaya, everybody agrees, everybody loves one another. We're all pulling the boat in the same direction. And that would be great if we were in a boat in a water running a, a finite, playing a finite game. So, so like that's the other aspect, actually Simon Sinek, um, I actually like this from Simon more than I like his um, start with why is he talks about infinite games, right? And, and so when we talk about alignment and we use football teams and boating analogies and things like that, we're comparing in, an infinite game of business to a finite game of, of sport. So you're always making trade-offs and, and that's frustrating. Right. And, and I always say, you know, as soon as you think you figured out the, the answer, they changed the question. And, and so the challenger, the, the, the most interesting thing from the challenger sale research was that the top salespeople were comfortable when their customers were uncomfortable and, and uncomfortable was necessary because people don't change. People don't buy something they weren't going to buy, do something they weren't going to do if there's not discomfort. But, but the key element is they're comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that, you know, flying a plane is a stable event in an unstable system, right? As long as you got certain things working for you. And, and, and in aspects, it's the instability that helps to support what's actually going on. And so the, the, this idea of silos are bad, get rid of silos. By the way, that scares the crap out of the people that we ask to do work because boxes help people know where to, where to start, where to end, how to, mm. how to get better. It, it's far more of a structural issue and, and it's far more like, yeah, we're doing it right when there's that, you know, that it's uncomfortable getting there, but yeah, you, you get used to it kind of. And, and, and so that, that's, so again, I, I think there are really great aspects. That's not a, that's, I'm not tearing apart the article. Um, I think the article had a lot of really good stuff in there. We just have to get, we don't live in a linear world. We don't live in, 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 in a static system. And, and by the way, there's no right answer. It's, it's everything, everything exists between zero and one, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and it's, it's how do we, if I could change one thing in the world, I would change us, I would change the world to be more probabilistic. It's far, far, far more playing poker than playing chess. Ding, 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 ding. And folks, you just witnessed again why Doug has been chosen to be on this podcast. Like I said, a turd will be called a turd when <laughs> he will speak his mind, right? That is, that is my point. He will speak his mind. So Max, coming at this from a different perspective, talk about your article and kind of why you brought this one to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So this one uh, resonated a whole lot with me. Um, so, and, and let me preface this. My job was to go out and find uh, one that would be relevant in the developer design world. Um, I'll also preface this by saying I'm by no means a developer or fancy myself a web designer. Uh, I'm into it, right? I can, I can look at a site and probably give you some recommendations, but do I know how to code stuff? Yeah, not really, not that well. But what I can tell you Um, is when I was doing implementation and when I was like starting to get into the nuts and bolts and really trying to like go past what the HubSpot CMS really could do, one of the most helpful things for me and and really enabled me to have a lot more dangerous conversations about it and kind of get over a lot more hurdles when building website stuff (laughs) within HubSpot was learning a little bit of HTML and CSS, right? Um, You know, 
HubSpot's CMS tools are great. They're even better now with the new CMS tools that are out. Um, but before, sometimes you'd run into certain things where if you didn't know, you know, about how to code something in HTML or you didn't know what CSS was, you could hit some roadblocks that would make it pretty tough if you were not a developer to do something in HubSpot. So um, first thing I always recommend to everyone is like, before you start trying to do any sort of advanced design work within HubSpot, do yourself a favor, go to teamtreehouse.com and take one of those, you know, HTML, CSS, web design uh, certification classes. That'll take you from like, I've never seen a computer before all the way to coding up in whatever language you want if you put the time into it. But when I was learning that stuff, uh, specifically when it came to CSS, which is cascading style sheets. That's the code on your website that makes everything look pretty. It's like the coat of paint and the interior decorating of the house. The house is built by HTML. Something that really confused me a whole ton with CSS, and this is if you're getting into it, just dabbling with, with, with styling on a web page, uh, was this thing called CSS specificity, which is basically how you set up all these different styling rules to target very specific elements of your web page to look a certain way. And, and there's you know a whole bunch of school of thought around the order of things and the priority and all these different selectors and a lot of stuff that just confused the crap out of me. Um, so on HubSpot's website blog, there is an article written by Anna Fitzgerald called What is CSS Specificity and How Does It Work? And it basically gives you this really, really great outline on what specificity actually is, uh, a couple of different tips and tricks on how you can use it properly within your CSS. There's also a link to a really great guide about like what marketers need to know about HTML and CSS. So if you're not a web developer, but you want to be at least able to understand and have those conversations with your developer and have a good idea of like what's possible, what's not, what can you do with drag and drop, what can you not do with drag and drop. This is a really great place to start. So I highly recommend that. Definitely check it out. It adds a lot of clarity around what I think is one of the more confusing parts of learning cascading style sheets. So if we check it out. Yeah, I love yeah. this. Lynda.com, Code Academy. Like yep. there's a ton of places that you could find this. It's been probably one of the things that for me when I transitioned from web dev into marketing that has been a godsend. Like understanding kind of even at a, at a very small level uh, what HTML and what CSS and the power that you can do. And especially now, I think of these companies, you know, now that there's HubSpot drag and drop and there's themes, there's a lot of power in kind of understanding like, well, I don't necessarily need the CSS, but then there mm -hmm. might be some tweaks where I just want to add this little bit of CSS to this other sheet. Yep. Whew, lots of power, lots of power. Listeners, viewers, I have to ask you, are you getting excited we, the time flies when we do these episodes. This first episode is amazing. Hopefully you see what I saw before we even hit the record button that this is going to be the jam. I have to tell you, in the next episode, when we don't have to do introductions, you're gonna get sections like, in the spotlight, that's right. We're going to talk about things like automating your processes and converting more leads and the problems, truly the problems that you face on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. We're even going to have a section called Spotty Service. Oh, where we're going to talk about things that we wish we could do in HubSpot. Uh, you know, maybe like it's like carousel posts and Instagram, or maybe it's like being able to report YouTube analytics or whatever it is. We're going to be talking about those things. We're also going to have an on the spot section where I'll give you a little teaser. If you're listening to this episode or any episode and you use hashtag the spot podcast or hashtag Sprocket Talk, we're looking into the community and we're going to pull you. And that's right. You're going to be 
on the spot because you're well gonna be in the show hopefully that's an evident what i'm saying there anyway moving on with that it is our time frame because we're trying to get you in and out and back to work until we spot again see what i did there julie doug max any parting words you want to say to the viewers and listeners um i'll say something to the viewers and listeners uh that i say to any of the new hires that that come through my doors or my zooms uh these days is that you know while hubspot is it's truly an amazing, fantastic, for the most part, very easy to use product. Uh, it's by no means a magic pill. Uh, it is a tool. It's a hammer. You have to swing it. You have to put the work in. It's going to enable you to do this whole inbound thing. And I think that's just the mindset a lot more people like need to be in, especially when they're first starting their you know, journey with you know, transitioning their business to an inbound business and using HubSpot to do that. So just remember it's a tool. My, my parting thought first is I wish I had Max's voice. <laughs> Man, what I what I'd be able to do and get away with by Max's voice. Holy cow! Have you done radio? I mean, uh, it's it's more than appreciate. Oh, mostly just streaming Call of Duty on Facebook these days. <laughs> I don't understand why no one's saying that about my voice. No one wants this. I do. Well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Lies. Thank I, you. I, I'm just, I I just want to hear Max go. Race fans, hot rodders, be there. <laughs> Start your engines, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, 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 here, here, here's my parting thought, uh, and, and it's why I'm, why I'm excited to, to be on the show. Um, I know we started off with that, but this, I noticed on, you know, on LinkedIn, it's an echo chamber. It's like, mm. hey, who, who, who here's going to agree? And if someone, you know, says something different, like, you know, that's bad or, or, or whatever. And, and I, like, I would not do well in an academic environment, but I will tell you the one thing I'm jealous about, about academic environments is that they, they, they live on peer review. And, and, and the single worst thing you can do if you write a paper in, in academia is to not have somebody disagree with it. Like that's the mm -hmm. biggest single insult because if no one disagrees with it, if no one challenges it, then what they're saying is it's not relevant. And, and I think that we're seeking so much affirmation to what we're doing that we're, um, I was on a podcast yesterday and I talked about the fact that we're, we're auto-tuning our businesses look for that opportunity look for those people that are going to challenge your thinking find those places um you know and, and not challenge for the sake of challenge but you know challenge back it up think differently and and i can already tell that um i can already i've, I've already got some previewed uh, things i can see that'll be coming down the pike i can't wait uh till they arise and um so yeah so so to quote apple think different dj real julie d what do you say ah. I wish, I wish that were my secret identity. That would be great, but no one wants to listen to the music other than the boss, obviously, that I've got pumping these days. However, I am uh, really happy to have a seat at this table, so to speak, even though we are distributed across the East Coast and will remain so for safety for quite a while, I think. I certainly have enjoyed some of our discourse today, some of the like-mindedness and dislike-mindedness alike. And I'm excited for more. So I hope anyone listening is also excited for what's to come. Because I think there's a lot of experience here, a lot of different perspectives here, and that these are not necessarily conversations happening in a lot of the inbound world and even in a lot of the digital marketing world. So let's go, let's do it. Let's do it. Episode two will be coming three, five, seven, two thousand in the future. 
Here's the folks. If you spot us on the socials, let us know. We want to talk to you if you're a listener, but make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Let us know what you think. If there's sections that you want us to add, of course, you can always get a hold of me, George at impulsecreative.com. But more importantly that you can get a hold of, and, and this was fun for me, getting everybody's uh, Twitter handles together. Julie is the real Julie D, which is why I got the DJ real Julie D for that. Doug is Doug Davidoff. Um, I'm at George B. Thomas. And then this is the one that I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Mr. Max Jacob Cohen. That's right. Like Middle name's like, in there. Yeah, it should like the Tonight Show or something. And, and like Mr. That. is like, so it's like actually Mr. It's MR? Not, it's not Mr. No, no. It's actually oh, okay. Max no. Jacob. I I'm going to add it there now, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. that. You should. Like, the yeah. mister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There that you should go. be the only way you introduce yourself. I'm going to toss in Esquire at the end. I don't even know what that means, but yeah. there you go. There you go. Well, if you're ready to dive into the deep and make sure you join us, uh, we are ready to rock and roll. Make sure you use the hashtags, hashtag Sprocket Talk or hashtag The Spot Podcast. And make sure that you're kind of uh, listening to us on a weekly basis or going over and watching the video version. Head over again to SprocketTalk.com forward slash The Spot, one word. But until next time, until we spot again, if you will, remember to keep learning, keep growing, and of course, keep doing some of amazing hub spawning.